Welcome to episode 25 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm sitting here with Pastor Ross Hodges, the assistant pastor of Christ Church. And uh, we are here uh, today to talk about Christian hymnody and in particular Christmas hymnody. Mm. And uh, what a great time of year where we get to, to sing these uh, wonderful uh, Christmas hymns, and uh, I sort of wish we could sing them all year long. I know. I I, I wish we could too. I, let's you know what? Let's just make some decisions and change things. Let's just do it. Christmas in July? Yes. <laughs> I, I love that idea. You get to put up a tree and everything. Well, we wanted this to start out by speaking about Christian hymnody in general. I I wanted to begin by sharing just a little anecdote of a conversation I had several years ago where. I was talking to uh, a man I had just met, and I think we were all at a wedding together. and And he asked me where I where I pastored a church, and I, I told him. and um, And he asked if we had uh, uh, contemporary music. I said, "Well, actually, we we're, we're pretty traditional. We sing uh, psalms and and traditional hymns." And he said, "Oh, that's that's nice. I I really love singing hymns uh, during Christmas and Easter. The traditional hymns are really wonderful." Um, mm. And I said, well, think of it this way. We like to sing those wonderful traditional hymns all year long, not just at Christmas mm. and at Easter. And uh, there, there are reasons for that, right, Ross? I mean, it's not just that we're wanting to be traditionalists. We reject right. traditionalism. Right. Why is it that we want to sing the great hymns of the faith? Well, I, I think first and foremost, we, we believe it's biblical. We believe that this is the way that God would have us worship. Uh, because when we're singing uh, hymns and of course psalms as well what we're doing is as the body of Christ we're offering up essentially sung prayers as one voice and one heart to God and um, prayers sung prayers that are that are scriptural that are based on scripture if you flip through the Trinity hymnal um, and certainly it's self-evident with the psalms um, but it, when you look to the hymnal you'll see the the texts a lot of times that the hymn writers were working off of or paraphrasing or that sort of thing and so um, it what we're doing is is part of our corporate worship is offering praise to God um, through song that is based on God's Word and responding to him and uh, good hymnody because there is such a thing as bad hymnody, oh, absolutely. Right? but good yes. hymnody uh, really is well written mm -hmm. um, uh, the tunes that go with them are appropriate uh, right. to the words that have been written. Yep, form and function. It's it, one criticism of of a lot of modern music is that it's all celebratory. That's right. Uh, in both its tone and in the lyrics, it's mm -hmm. just all celebration and praise. Whereas uh, the Christian life, uh, real life, has thorniness in it, a lot of suffering and struggling. And so, when you yeah. have, for instance, the Psalms, you open the Book of Psalms, you have uh, many, many Psalms. In fact, probably. One could argue most of the psalms mm -hmm. have language in it that expresses uh, the the struggles in life, some the, form of lament, some form of lament, uh, the, the struggle to to always believe and to trust as we ought. Yeah. Uh, why so downcast, O oh my soul? Mm -hmm. uh, is the the message we often hear. But good hymnody does the same thing, and good hymnody uh, also has this kind of beautiful exalted poetic language which really is worthy of God isn't it yeah it is and it's uh, it, it helps us think in in ways and in categories that we might not think um, just kind of by ourselves it, it, it brings in pop culture it, exactly in pop culture and uh, it, it brings uh, it brings to mind and 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 with music to 
uh, to our minds in an ongoing way um, certain truths uh, that that we that we and our children uh, and the body of Christ in general are learning as we sing. And so, after you sing a, a, a hymn a few times, you might find that the next week during the week you you have the tune in your head and those words are running through your mind mm. and and therefore you're meditating on um, the beautiful truths of scripture yes and 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 good hymnody has that theological depth and richness to it that's it's, right it it also is is pedagogical it's actually teaching us something so when when we are singing these hymns and we get familiar with them, we're getting familiar with rich doctrine from right. the Word of God. And as you mentioned earlier, good hymnody is actually based on particular passages of Scripture which are mm -hmm. being expounded upon. So there's really a kind of a didactic, uh, a pedagogical uh, uh, element to good, classic, traditional hymnody. And we want our children to be learning that as well as they grow up in the church. I know uh, you have Elias now, right. uh, yeah. new baby boy, and as he grows up in the church, uh, you don't want him learning, um, you know, the next version of uh, of rock candy or 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 uh, cotton candy or candy corn right. sort of music, right. where it's, you know two strums, uh, two chords, and repetition of some <laughs> some superficial phrase over and over, which I heard one person says it's this Jesus is my boyfriend uh, song. Yeah. You we, know, you could just replace your boyfriend's name with Jesus and it would fit perfectly song, with the yeah. lyrics. Yeah, I've heard those songs. Um, I've heard those called 7-Eleven songs. It's yeah. seven words and you sing it 11 times. Yeah, I'd rather have a Slurpee. Myself. <laughs> yeah, about the same nutritional content. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, the and this is in no way to to say that there's nothing being written today that's not of worthy. Course, of course. I mean, uh, Keith and Kristen Getty, uh, uh, Townend, Townsend, yes, yeah, Stuart Townsend, yeah, Stuart Townsend, wonderful stuff Absolutely. that they're writing. R.C. Sproul has written some things. R.C. Sproul has um, written some new James hymns. James Montgomery Boyce, James Montgomery Boyce with the hymns for a modern reformation. Yeah. There's excellent stuff being written today. So we're not saying that everything you know that's been written after 1800 is sinful right uh, we're saying we want to embrace uh, invest uh, or embrace embrace yeah <laughs> the the best of what's been handed down to us and that which is being written today that's right yeah and it's it's as you mentioned it it is really it, not only is it a part of worship which it is but it's uh, it's pedagogical it's teaching us it's 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 framing the way that um, our our uh, our minds understand theology and that our families understand it and it's it's really a uh, a gift to the church and um, and no less uh, at Christmas time than, than any other indeed and what we wanted to do this afternoon was to uh, just talk about a couple of wonderful Christmas hymns mm -hmm. as we're in this yeah. time of year and uh, we're going to be singing some of these hymns at Christ Church and, and we want to talk about for a moment the wonderful theology that's found in these hymns. Let's begin uh, by hymn number one, uh, looking at hymn number 193 in the Trinity Hymnal, which is entitled, Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. This is uh, written actually in the 5th century. Mm, so the 400s AD. 400s AD, Christians have been singing this song since that time. And... Uh, and the, the melody is actually a French melody uh, called Picardy, hmm. written in the 17th century. And so just think of it this way. Christians have been singing these words in hmm. praise to God since the 5th century and have been singing these words to the tune that we're familiar with 
in connection with this hymn since the 1600s. That's uh, what a marvelous thing. That is wonderful. Yeah, so let's begin with, with the first verse. Let all mortal flesh keep silence, and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descendeth, our full homage to demand. Mm. Uh, what, what things are being underscored there, Ross, in this verse? Yeah, so the obviously the, the hymn writer has begun by setting the stage of the the gravity of the incarnation mm. and the, the the depth of meaning that is here, and and um, says this is something that we need to stand in awe of. And, and there's the, a reverence there's a, being yes, there's a reverence being communicated here, and then the reason for that reverence as he gets to towards the end of this verse, Christ our God to earth descended our full homage to demand. And so he's getting at the fact that Christ took on flesh. He became man uh, to, um, as we will see, certainly to, to pay the penalty for our sins. But then he, he gets at the our full homage to demand that, that to redeem us, but to redeem us as worshipers and to yes. redeem us as, as followers of Christ. Yes. What do the wise men do? When they they, they give homage. They they bow down, they worshiping bow down. the babe. And so the, the verse one here, uh, the, the the writer is is saying, "Christ our God to earth descendeth." Christ is God. Yes. And He's worthy of all of our homage, our worship, our obedience. Mm -hmm. uh, verse number two, King of Kings, yet born of Mary, as of old on earth He stood, Lord of Lords in human vesture in the body and the blood. He will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Oh, what do we have going on there? Wow, well, the, he's, uh, he's communicating, again, he's, he's working on the incarnation that even though uh, Christ is the King of Kings, yet there's this mystery that he's born of uh, a, a peasant virgin, essentially, mm. um, born uh, in, in this... Um, human vesture um, in, in body and blood. In other words, he's fully human, his mm. body and his blood, which that phrase, of course, gets us thinking about the Lord's Supper Indeed. and gets us thinking about the sacraments. Um, and he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. And so he's continuing that theme there, um, well, that certainly Christ brings out in John 6 yes. about being the true uh, manna from heaven. But that being born as a, a man, he came to give of himself, and um, which is, of course, what we're, we are being reminded at uh, at the table every week. Indeed, he is the bread of life. He is, and there is no other life apart from him. And so verse number three says, Rank on rank, the host of heaven spreads its vanguard on the way, as the light of light descendeth from the realms of endless day that the powers of hell may vanish as the darkness clears away mm. powerful powerful words here we the imagery that's being set forth here is marvelous mm -hmm. why we must ask, would ever anyone want to marginalize this kind of hymnody in the Christian <laughs> church today here's this imagery of the host of heaven mm -hmm. a countless number of cherubim and seraphim who are worshiping him 
as it, and it says here, light of light descendeth. This language mm -hmm. here, of course, comes from the Nicene Creed. Yeah, God uh, of God, light of light. God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And so the light of light is descending from heaven uh, from this, the realms of endless day mm -hmm. where there is no sin, no darkness, uh, where there is only total and utter obedience to God and perfection and joy. Mm -hmm. And he's leaving this so that the powers of hell would vanish mm. from the hearts and lives of those for whom he would come mm -hmm. to save. The darkness would clear away when the light would come into the world. And, mm. and then we come to, to, to verse 4. At his feet the six-winged seraph, cherubim with sleepless eye, veil their faces to the presence. As with ceaseless voice they cry, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Lord Most High. And once again, we're taken to the, uh, the, the courtrooms of heaven where yeah. the angels are having to, uh, in Isaiah 6 kind yes. of language, having to veil their faces because of the glory of the eternal Son of God, mm -hmm. uh, who they ceaselessly adore. Yes. You know, when they came down to give praise in the fields, when the shepherds, it was a continuation it? of what had been going on <laughs> since the angels were created, whenever yes. that was. Yes. Uh, so it's just marvelous, exalted language here. Do you want to mention that this uh, text is is based, I think, on a lot of scriptures, but primarily on Habakkuk, chapter two and verse twenty. Mm. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. And here yes. we have this 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 title: Let all mortal flesh. Keep silence. Yes, and I, I think it's important to point out, as we've been doing, but just to bring, uh, once again, um, shed light on the, the, the richness of the theology here. Notice how all, all throughout these four verses, there is a very clear, um, a very clear uh, praise of Jesus as both God and man. And so there's um, a great uh, Christology here, a doctrine of Christ, yes. that, um, that he is... Um, the the Lord uh, of light and and there is this course of Alleluia which means praise the Lord mm -hmm. it was it was that which the people of God would sing to Yahweh mm. uh, in we see in the Psalms and now the the hymn writer is applying that to to Christ um, Alleluia Lord Most High Amen and and the holy hush that came over the angels mm -hmm. ought to be. Uh, that uh, same holy hush which comes over us when we yes. consider who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Mm. And so, Ross, take us through a couple of verses of this wonderful uh, hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, based on Isaiah 59, 20. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord, written in the 12th century. Mm. And uh, the, the tune... Veni Emmanuel, uh, written in the 13th century. Mm. Uh, so we've had Christians singing this for a thousand years. Yes. Extraordinary hymn. And I just have to confess, this is my favorite Christmas hymn. Oh, good. Well, it is, it is beautiful. It's one of my favorites as well. So the first verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And then the chorus or the refrain for each verse, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And so um, 
here the the hymn writer is uh, first of all uh, bringing this uh, this truth of Emmanuel, God with us, um, which as we think about biblical history uh, in the Old Testament with Israel, which he mentions here, with Israel um, in the wilderness you have the tabernacle and you have God's presence among the people, um, God with his people, but in, in the presence of the tabernacle and um, the pillars of cloud and fire and that sort of thing. But now we come to the New Testament and we come to Christ, who um, the, uh, John the Baptist looks out and sees, says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This was a man in flesh walking towards him. And uh, as the, the Gospel of John um, uh, speaks of, that, that Christ came and tabernacled. Mm. That, that, that phrase, the, the, the verse that often gets translated, and he dwelt among us. That uh, the Greek verb there is the same word for tabernacle. That he tabernacled among us. That, mm. and so we, here we have Emmanuel, um, it, literally from the Hebrew, God with us. Mm. Mm. And so um, I, I think here we're seeing the importance of of God being with His people, aren't we? Yes. And one thing this wonderful Advent hymn does as well is it's it's painting this picture of the the waiting and longing people of God in the yes. old in the old testament and we see that in verse 2 as well o come o come thou lord of might who to thy tribes on sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe so you have this picture of the uh, the, the the people of Israel who were exiled uh, and, and brought out from the captivity in Egypt, mm. and uh, here they are at the foot of the mountain, and we have the thunder and the uh, the lightning and the flashes and the warnings that are given. Do not approach this mountain. Only Moses may come up, and and the covenant uh, of Moses is given, and and the, the law is written, and there's this sort of darkness and clouds and, and, and power and might and mystery yes. surrounding the mountain. And they're longing for a Redeemer because they know that they cannot, they cannot approach, approach God. Mountain. That's right. That's uh, which makes verse 3 all that much more glorious when we consider this rich theology. O come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. That that rod of Jesse, hmm. uh, that, that prophet, prophetic language of, of, of Jesus uh, coming from the line of David. Yes. Uh, free thine own, those whom you came to save, from Satan's tyranny. Now listen to this language. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. Mm. Uh, you know, typically people wouldn't think about hell when they think about Christmas. But it's precisely to save us from going there that Jesus right. was born of a virgin in Bethlehem on that one glorious day. Mm. I, I love the, the the inherent sort of covenantal theology that's here too, that mm. um, you have a people longing with expectation for the Savior. They know yes. that the Savior has been promised. He is the rod of Jesse. Um, he, uh, verse four, he's the day spring from on high. Um, verse five, he's the key of David and uh, saying, come, you who have been promised by the, the, the covenant faithfulness of God, come and deliver us. Come and deliver us. Mm, mm. And, and, and close the path to misery, that final line. I yes. love that. Yes, and that's forward-looking, isn't it? Yes. That, that um, you, you mentioned a moment ago that you know, Jesus coming from the realms of light 
into earth, but the realms where there's no sin, no sorrow, no tears. But that's where he's taking us to. He had to come from there first, redeem a people. And now in when, when we look towards Revelation 21, um, that's where we're going. But, but that had to start somewhere. And as far as the work of Christ, that, that starts at Christmas. Indeed. And with these words, with these marvelous words, comes this this tune that is hauntingly beautiful yes. that that drives home this sobriety and the gravitas of the theology of this hymn. And yes. then we come to the third hymn quickly, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Who doesn't love this hymn? I know. And in, in speaking of tunes, then you think about the language in Joy to the World, which we'll be discussing, uh, compared to the language of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, or let all mortal flesh keep silence, and just think about the the difference in the words and the difference in the tunes, yes. and how though and how they go together. Yes, and so Psalm ninety eight is the psalm that joy to the world is based upon. Uh, it was uh, this is a, a a hymn written from a psalm based on a psalm written by Isaac Watts, famous mm. hymn writer. This was yep. written in seventeen nineteen. Uh, the tune was written by George Friedrich Handel. Well, Pretty go. famous guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's done one or two things that have to do with Christmas. Yes. Uh, in 1742, this was written by Handel. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. What a glorious opening to this hymn. And this verse 1 and verse 2, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. And, and this is the kind of, the, the psalm does this, of course, is the personification of, of nature yeah. That, that, yeah. that we join in with creation and giving praise to whom all praise is due. Mm -hmm. and, and you have the, the creator, Jesus Christ, the one through <laughs> whom all things were created, coming into his creation to redeem his creation from the curse of sin. Amen. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And this is mm. taking us back to the Garden of Eden, to yes. the fall of mankind, isn't it? Where yeah. we have this curse being placed upon the earth, uh, that thorns would grow as man would seek to do work, that mm -hmm. uh, women in childbirth would have much pain, mm -hmm. and this curse which goes uh, far and deep into all of creation mm -hmm. is now being reversed by the work of Christ. There's a, in Christ there's a recreation. Yes, a uh, new he creation. Is a new creation, and so he's bringing uh, life where there is death. We are born again, and in a sense uh, we, you know, we are regenerated, and one day the world would be regenerated. It would yes. be, as we learn from from Second Peter, uh, burned with fire and recreated into a new heavens and a new earth, where we will once again live in paradise with the Lord. This is the message of Psalm 98. This is the message of Christmas, that His blessings will flow far as the curse is found. And then finally, verse four: He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Mm. So you have the, the kingdom spreading across uh, the, the earth um, as, as Christ comes. He comes to Jerusalem and then yet once his, 
um, well, he comes to Bethlehem, but then, of course, uh, it, his ministry surrounds Galilee and then Jerusalem. And uh, upon his death and resurrection, he commissions his disciples to go to the ends of the earth, and he will be ruling through them in truth and in grace. And the nations, those uh, those non-Jewish peoples that uh, the, the first century Jews, many of them thought were outside the covenant purposes of God, now they are being brought in just as... God had promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. Amen. And you see, of course, well, the, the psalm, but then the hymn, um, getting at the fact that, that Jesus um, is, is ruling those nations in his redemptive purposes um, with truth and grace. Amen. So as we bring this episode to a close, we just want to encourage you, our members and regular tenders and potential visitors uh, to Christ Church, to, to really think about... Uh, what we would be giving up if we were to give up these marvelous hymns. Mm. Uh, we want to, to embrace hymnody. Uh, we want to uh, rejoice and celebrate it, rejoice in it and celebrate it. We uh, want it to be a, an, an educational tool in the life of the church, even as we worship God and our hearts are filled with joy as we sing out congregationally. It's also teaching us who this great God is uh, that we adore, uh, which then fuels more worship and stronger discipleship and obedience. And so uh, we love hymns, we love Christmas hymns, and we look forward to singing them uh, all throughout the month of December. Well, thanks for enjoying, uh, thanks for being with us as uh, we've enjoyed being here in this conversation, and we hope you'll join us next time uh, on Between the Times.